Hello and welcome to the Hophead Hardware Homebrewing Podcast. This is Captain Spalding coming at you from Chattanooga, Tennessee. We're here to talk about homebrewing and craft beer. You can expect a little rambling and a song or two. Visit us at hopheadhardware.com for informative posts, recipes, beer news, and more. While you're at the site, make sure you bookmark that podcast tab that you'll find at the top. That's where you'll find links that I may refer to during episodes. What's going on, everyone? It's Oktoberfest season, and we're going to talk about it. First, we're going to cover a brief history of Oktoberfest, both the event and the the beer style. Then we're going to move on to an interview with a good friend of mine who's actually been to Munich to the uh, Oktoberfest event out there. Then we'll go on to talk about the modern Oktoberfest beer. After that, we'll talk about brewing an Oktoberfest at home. So Oktoberfest was not originally a beer-centered event like it is today. I've been told a few times that Oktoberfests were originally held in German towns and villages at the end of growing season. After all the farmers' grains had been sold and leftovers that the community farmers had were all pulled together, they would brew beer so that the grain wouldn't be wasted and they would have something to drink through the cold season. The story goes on with a lot more detail, but I did some research and it's just not true. And I wanted to point that out because I'm sure I'm not the first person that's been told that story. I think what's happening there is that people are confusing Oktoberfest with Belgian farmhouse ale season, because that is kind of the story behind the Belgian farmhouse ales. But let's quickly talk about the real history behind the Oktoberfest event. The original Oktoberfest was held in Munich in 1810. It was intended to be a one-time event. It was a two-day celebration of a royal wedding between Prince, Lud- Prince Ludwig and Princess Therese. I hope I'm saying that right. Lud- Ludwig would later become King Ludwig I. And you know, if you know much history, you've, you've heard of King Lud- Ludwig. Uh, there were about 40,000 Bavarians at the event, and at that time, that was a big deal because it, it was unheard of for nobles to brush elbows with common folk. It was just, it wasn't a thing that happened. But fast forward a few years, in 1810, Oktoberfest started to take the form that we know it as today. That's the year that beer and food stands were set up. And it started to come become more like, you know, just a big beer party. Um, it started taking that form anyways. The common drink was a, about a 4.5% ABV Marzen beer. Or Marzen or March beer. Um, it was brewed in March and intended to be enjoyed during the summer months and into fall. And over 200 years later, the official Oktoberfest is still held in Munich, Germany and draws crowds of six to seven million people from all over the world. Six to seven million people, that's a huge event. 
Um, Oktoberfest, or the locals call it the Wizen. It starts in late September and goes into the first week of October. So what is the modern Oktoberfest beer? Oktoberfest beer can be a few different styles in our world of muddled up beer styles, but the real Oktoberfest is still a Marzen. A Marzen relies heavily on Munich and Vienna malt to provide a rich but clean backbone. Some specialty malts are often used and they um, you kind of want to let them contribute a light toasted spiciness and you know not not a hot spiciness just think of a you know a, the flavor of fall I mean it's you know like an allspice something like that um, you know a sip of Marzen should start out sweet and finish moderately dry it's a medium bodied beer and it shouldn't be cloying at all and you know once you take that sip it should clear from the palate really quickly uh, the hot profile is moderate it's heavy enough to allow the German noble hops to really shine through but not cover up the multi backbone you know it's they're a really well balanced beer uh, a, a good Oktoberfest or a good Marzen is a really well balanced beer where you have crisp flavors that stand out but all work well together there should be no discernible yeast flavor from you know a, a clean lager yeast should be used and you know a good lager fermentation with the correct yeast should give you a really clean profile no yeasty weirdness going on and you know yeasty weirdness is good in some styles but not in this one all in all the malt profile is what really design or defines a marzen the hops simply enhance the beer most proper Oktoberfest or Marzen's clock in at about five and a half to six and a half percent ABV and 18 to 24 IBUs. Uh, they're, they're, you know, they're not overly bitter, just uh, just enough to balance out that sweetness. Uh, you should see a nice amber to orange, or amber orange to deep copper hue in the seven to 17 SRM range. Uh, the color range on this style's really, really broad. You can um. You can go for just like a, just that that orange hue to a a really nice copper, almost amber looking beer. But yeah, it would um it would be safe to think of a Marzen as the Dunkel's little brother. And there's a lot of really good commercial examples of the style that are available in the American market. I think some of the best examples of Oktoberfest come from um, Spaten or Spaten. I'm really not sure how to pronounce that brewery's name, but um, Great Lakes Brewing, Brooklyn Brewing Company, Sam Adams, and Sierra Nevada. They all do a really good job with their Oktoberfest, and I'm sure you guys have some, you know, local breweries that are doing a really good job too, but I just wanted to give out some some really good examples that you can actually get your hands on. Um, Sam Adams Oktoberfest, uh, 
I know a lot of people don't like Sam Adams in general or Boston Beer Company just because they're kind of the big guys in the craft beer market and some people don't even consider them craft beer. I do. But anyways, um, I think their Oktoberfest is probably the best beer that comes out from them every year. Uh, it's it's They do a really, really good job with it and it's you can count on it being good every year. Uh, there's few breweries that you don't see a little difference from year to year in their Oktoberfest, and you know that's usually intentional. Um, Sierra Nevada, for example, their Oktoberfest is not—it's uh, not the same beer every year. And I say that in a positive way. It's—it's uh, it's a new version of an Oktoberfest. It's always, you know, it hits the points it needs to. It's—it's it's a solid beer every season but it's it's different than last year's and the year before uh, Sierra Nevada that, that's what they do with their Oktoberfest and I, I don't know that to be a fact maybe they are just not hitting the consistency but they're far enough apart that I don't think that's the case I think they like to keep it interesting but the Sam Adams Oktoberfest it's really awesome it's really good out of a bottle but if you see it on draft definitely get one I think it's probably the perfect example of what a um, run-of-the-mill Oktoberfest can be. And run-of-the-mill is not a derogatory term. It's when you're talking a beer. That means it's run-of-the-mill is... What I mean by that is executed well. It's a beer made the way it should be. We're going to get to the interview, but... First, I want to talk about brewing an Oktoberfest at home. For a nice but simple five-gallon batch of 5.5% Oktoberfest or Marzen, um, use four pounds of Munich, it's going to be Munich 20, four pounds of Vienna, three pounds of German Pilsner, um, American two-row would be fine to substitute for the Pilsner, and that's what I would do. Uh, I, I don't think the Pilsner malt is going to shine through enough past the Vienna and Munich to really, you know, to work out and make sense for the cost savings. Um, so if, if you got a good deal on German Pilsner, use three pounds of German Pilsner or sub two row if you don't have the, the Pilsner malt. And at the start of the boil, add one and a half ounces of Halitur. And with 10 minutes left in the bowl, add a half an ounce of Halitur. You're going to want to mash at 152 degrees, and that's that's going to give you a, that nice medium body. And it's going to be a 60-minute boil. You know, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, you should come in with an OG, original gravity, around 1053. Um, of course, that can vary on your equipment and efficiencies and all that. But ferment at L temperatures. I know this is it's margin as a lager, but ferment at L temperatures using the um, S23 dry yeast. S23 is a lager yeast, but it performs well and ferments cleaner at L temperatures. I, I love that yeast. It makes lagering super easy, uh, or making lagers. You, you can lager it after primary fermentation to really you know clean things up, but it's not really necessary with this yeast. Uh, 
Um, it, if you've never used S23, give it a shot. Um, for a, I won a, my first ever competition beer um, was an international pale lager that I used S23 on, and I fermented that beer. I think it was at 68 degrees, and then I ramped it up to um, 70 before a crash. So it, that beer won silver in a lager category. Um, so it, it was really good. You can get that recipe at hopheadhardware.com, and it's um, digging up a date beer. That's what it was called. So just search that on the website, and you'll find it. But yeah, just definitely um, get you a batch of Oktoberfest going. Uh, it's going to be a little late to do by the time this episode airs, but hey, we're homebrewers. We can brew what we want, when we want. Okay, so I know I said I was going to get an interview from a buddy that had been to Oktoberfest in Munich, but unfortunately that's not going to happen. He got sick when we were scheduled to do it. So I didn't want to bother him with that. And then we re- so we rescheduled the interview and called him up, recorded the conversation. It went really well. And the audio just got all kinds of messed up. It didn't save right. And I could have put it on here, but it had been just terrible quality, like really bad static. You could barely make out voices. Something went crazy wrong. Um, so... But that's okay. We'll definitely get that content because I'm going to do another episode with him. I'm going to do an episode with him on electric brewing and building electric brewing systems. So he's a controls electrician or something like that. He, He knows his stuff with automation and things like that. So we built a really, really nice system at his house. And we'll cover that. It's an electric eHerms three-vessel system. Super nice. But when we do that episode, we'll talk about his trip to Munich for Oktoberfest. But, hey, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening to the Hophead Hardware Homebrewing Podcast. Be sure to visit us at hopheadhardware.com.